Let's take our Bibles tonight. We're going to go back to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. Once again, I just want to remind everyone, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I forget, that um, here at the, the end of the year, or really beginning of this next year, I'm going to be really challenging everyone to uh, make it a priority to read through the Bible. And of course, we've got um, the Bible reading schedule that will get you through it in a year. Uh, if you follow that, there will also be, uh, I've got a couple other uh, different reading plans that I'll make available to you in case you maybe want to take on a different challenge. Maybe you say, you know, I've been reading through the Bible once a year for the last 20 years. What do I do now? Um, well, you keep reading through the Bible, but maybe you want to try a different approach and how you do that. And uh, we'll have a, a 90-day Bible reading challenge. If you want to take that on, read through the Bible in three months. I also have a chronological plan if you want to try and read through the Bible in chronological order. And just some different things that might, uh, might be of interest to you. So the reason I mentioned that is to say you have a week and a half to finish up wherever you are now until the end. Now, maybe you're like, oh, I'm still in Exodus. Well, <laughs> you better get busy, all right? You got a week and a half. But uh, whatever, you're, whatever you're doing, I would just encourage you, you know, when we come to the, when we come to the new year, it's just, it's a, I think, a good time for kind of a reset and a fresh start. And, uh, and I think it's a, a good thing to just say January 1st, starting through the Bible again. And uh, so, anyway, just be ready for that. I hope you'll, you'll take me up on that. Psalm 119 tonight, we've been looking at this chapter now for several months on Wednesday nights and just considering this Word of God chapter. There's so much in here that the psalmist says about God's Word and how it's influenced him. We, we've talked about the fact that he's writing this from a position of being afflicted and that he has enemies that are seeking to tear him down and to destroy him, and yet he's crying out to the Lord, and he's seeking deliverance, and he's seeking help uh, from the Lord. And so we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 153 tonight. Let's stand together as we read this section of the psalm, verses 153 through 160. Here the psalmist says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not... Forget thy law. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. You can be seated tonight. We find some interesting statements here. 
within this particular section, again, as we've walked our way through this chapter, we find a lot of very similar content from one section to the next and kind of recurring theme of, of this psalmist crying out to the Lord and, 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 and expressing his trouble, expressing uh, the, the burden that he has, that his enemies who are against him are disregarding the word of God, but how he is uh, striving to maintain uh, a, a walk that is consistent with the word of God. He has not forgotten his word. He has not forgotten his law. He is continuing in it. And he makes a statement at the end of this section that we just read in verse 160. He said, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. I believe that this statement, this confession, if you will, that the word of God is true, that understanding, that assurance is the basis for the confidence and the faith that keeps him going through his affliction. To know that the word of God that he is trusting in is true, it's reliable, uh, it, it, it's founded upon truth. In fact, the statement he makes it, he says, thy word is true from the beginning. It means from the very outset, the word of God is truth. It, it, it's not like uh, you know, some people look at this and they say, well, this is, you know, it, it, this contains the word of God and it's, uh, it has some really good principles that we ought to live by. Uh, but but the, the, the concept here is that the very foundation of the word of God is truth. This, this doesn't just contain truth, it is truth. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And that's what he's saying, the word of God, it's true from the beginning. So, so in other words, from its origin, when it, when it came from God, and it is truth. But there's another aspect of it that, that because it is true from the beginning, it, it has this idea that the very beginning of the book is true and all the way through. Now, I find it interesting as you consider that statement, thy word is true from the beginning, that the, the, the aspect or the part of the Bible that is most attacked by skeptics is the very beginning. Isn't that interesting? I mean, most of what people have an issue with is not necessarily the history that's contained in the Bible and those types of things, because they, that's, I mean, you can't really dispute that. It's pretty obvious. Uh, it's consistent with history, but when it comes to things like our origins, you know, a six day literal creation by God, a, a, a universal worldwide flood that destroyed the earth, these are the things that are under attack the things that are found in the beginning. It ought not come as a surprise to us because if you, can, can, if you can attack the beginning, the foundation of the word of God, you discredit the whole thing, don't you? And that's why some people really have doubt in God's word, that it is true, that it, it, it is trustworthy that we can rely upon it. But the psalmist here tonight, is he's expressing this confidence that he has in God's word based upon this assurance that the word of God is true from the very beginning. But I want you to go back to 153, verse 153, and notice with me that he says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. I want you to notice that the psalmist here, as he prays to the Lord, his request is actually not just simply deliver me from my circumstances. His request is consider mine affliction. In other words, Lord, would you please look upon my situation? 
Look on my circumstances and consider it. Think about it. And, and I want you to just consider that for a moment because sometimes I think when we pray, we have this idea that we're talking to God who is kind of detached from our situation. You know, he's so, so high and so far above us that somehow, uh, you know, the, uh, the severity of, our, of the need that we have and we find ourselves in, you know, it escapes him because he doesn't quite understand. I want you to know that tonight if you pray to the God of heaven, the God of this book, you can be sure that God sees you where you are and he considers your need. Whatever your situation is tonight, isn't it good to know that God sees you and he considers and he cares about you? I want you to hold your place here and go with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. And, and I just want to show you an example of someone who came to this realization and this understanding. This is that woman that, that's called Hagar, this, uh, uh, this woman who was the, uh, the mother of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the uh, kind of the maid, Sarah's maid, that, uh, that Abraham ha had a child with. And obviously, if you know the situation, you know the story of what happened. Uh, Hagar and her son Ishmael were put out of, of Abraham's house, and, and she ended up crying unto the Lord. I want you to just notice in verse, um, verse number 13, it says, And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? So when she had this interaction with the Lord, I'd encourage you to read uh, the, the, the previous verses in the chapter, but she has this, this interaction with the Lord, and in talking to him, it was like she came to this understanding, this realization, you know what, God saw me. Here this, this, uh, this lowly person in a low estate, uh, someone who was in many ways, uh, the, the illegitimate uh, wife or concubine of a man who, who, who really the only reason that she was of any value is because his, his actual wife wasn't able to bear children and, and now she's even been rejected from that particular uh, situation and, and she's looking at her life and she sees herself as lowly and helpless and hopeless but one thing that she comes to realize is that God sees her. Isn't it wonderful tonight to know that God sees you? Whatever, wherever you are, whoever you are, God sees you and he cares about you. And you can cry out to him as your father who is considering your situation. And that's what the psalmist says here in Psalm 119. Consider my affliction. Lord, just, just look upon me and consider what you know to be real and to be true. In Psalm 139, we find that expression that the, that the Lord knows everything about us, that, that he, he sees us, uh, our, our down-sittings and our uprising. He knows our thoughts from afar off. God knows everything about us. So here he says, consider mine affliction. Now, we're going to get into kind of the meat of what this section of the psalm is all about. But before we really do, I want to just clarify some things, okay? One of the things that we emphasize very frequently, and, and one of the things that I discuss frequently from the pulpit here, is the fact that our relationship to God is not dependent upon our actions and our works. 
In other words, our salvation, it is holy of grace, is it not? It's not by the good things that we do. It's not like uh, I, I somehow have, uh, have achieved a level to which God is pleased with me, therefore he accepts me. We understand it's all of grace. Lamentations 3, for instance, says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It's simply because God is merciful to us that we are not consumed. None of us is righteous or good enough to earn favor with God. In fact, Romans chapter 4, and I want to go there simply because I want to clarify and kind of lay a foundation before we really get into what I want to talk about tonight because I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea about what I'm saying. But I want you to see that our position, our standing with God, it's, it's simply because he is merciful and gracious to us. It is not based upon our works. Romans 4 and verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him uh, unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Tonight, can I just clarify with everyone that our position, our standing before God is only because he is merciful and gracious to us. It's, it's not by our own works. Now, why do I say that? Because I don't want anyone to think that I'm preaching some form of performance-based acceptance message. You know, you've got to do this for God to accept you. No, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, understand you are accepted in him because of Christ and because of his sacrifice. However, that is not to say that we have no responsibility and obedience to God. I think it's, we have to be careful in, in this, and there's a balance here, because there are some people who have this idea that I have to do this and do this and do this, or God won't accept me. No, listen, you, you are acceptable to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the overreaction to that position is, now that I'm saved, I'm under God's grace, I don't have to then do anything, I'm just accepted in Christ, I can live however I want to live and God's just going to bless me and I want you to know that that's not biblical, that's not biblical. I want you to see here in Psalm 119 that, that the psalmist makes a very clear case that there is blessing attached to obeying the word of God. There is blessing associated with being obedient to God's word. Look at verse 153, if you will. He says, consider mine affliction and deliver me, colon, for I do not forget thy law. In other words, he is literally saying to God, I am asking that you would answer this prayer based upon the knowledge that I am obedient to you. Isn't that an interesting statement? Look at uh, verse number 155. Here's the other side of that coin. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. All right, let's look down at verse number 157. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. 
Verse 159, consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Isn't it interesting that four times throughout this short section of the psalm, he appeals to God on the basis that he is living to the best of his ability, of course, in obedience to the word of God. Did you know that even though we are absolutely secure in Christ because of his grace and his mercy that there are still blessings attached to obeying God's word and there are actually curses for those who reject the word of God. That there, there is blessing for obedience and there is, may I say, punishment for disobedience. I think sometimes... Though we can never overemphasize the grace of God, it is possible to underemphasize the expectation of our obedience to the Lord and even an acceptance that maybe some of the circumstances we find ourselves in are a direct, uh, uh, there's a direct correlation between our actions and our circumstances. I think that there is a problem uh, even in our society today where people don't want to own up to their own actions and, and, and take responsibility for the fact that where they are in life may not always be someone else's fault. God blesses those who obey him. And those who refuse to obey the word of God will find themselves in difficult situations. Now, does that mean... That every time that you face a trial, it's because you've disobeyed God. No, obviously not. This psalmist himself is a perfect example of that. I mean, he says, I, I, I did nothing to these people, and they're coming against me. Listen, this world is full of trouble and trial, and I'm not saying that everything you face is a result of sin, but I do want you to notice that as the psalmist is pleading with the Lord, he is pleading with him based upon the recognition that he is striving to be obedient to God and to, to value and obey his word. Galatians, rather, chapter 6 tells us that that, uh, uh, that God is not mocked, be not deceived. Verse 7, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we'll of the flesh reap corruption, but if we will we'll sow to the Spirit, that we'll, that we'll reap life everlasting. God still promises to reward obedience. John 13 and verse 17, Jesus said, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I want to go over to the book of James, if you would. James chapter 1. And there are so many places in Scripture that we could go to show this. But I just want to show you a few. James chapter 1. And verse number... 25. Okay, he's just been talking about being doers of the word and not hearers only, but listen to verse 25. He says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, listen to this, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, God does associate blessing with obedience. And then another place I want to just show you this principle. 
is in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Deuteronomy 30. This is true in the New Testament. It's true in the Old Testament. It's just the way that God deals with people. Deuteronomy, he's been... The, the, the word Deuteronomy literally means the second law or the second giving of the law. Moses has been repeating to the nation of Israel this second generation uh, after they've come out of Egypt, repeating the commandments that the Lord gave to them. And he says in verse number 15, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, uh, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish." And that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, he says, listen, these are the commandments. If you obey these things, you will be blessed. If you choose to disregard these things, there are curses associated with that, and I'm pleading with you, choose life. <laughs> go, go in the way of obedience. Now, why, why is all of this here uh, associated with this prayer that the psalmist prays? Consider mine affliction. Consider my condition. Because I believe that this psalmist, who obviously knew the word of God, was confident in God's truth, his word. He was confident that God saw his situation, that he cared about his needs, and that he would answer not only because God is merciful, but also because God has promised to bless obedience. Now, what, what does that have to do with you and me today? Well, let me just put it this way, if I can be very blunt with you for just a moment. If you or I have a need, we say, Lord, I need your help because of this trial that I'm facing, because of this problem in my life, I need you to help me and deliver me. Can I ask you, why should you have any confidence that God is going to answer if you are refusing to be obedient to his word? Think about this with me. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we are in affliction and it may be a direct result of our sin. Not in every situation, not in every circumstance, but it can be true that we cannot honestly say before the God who knows everything about us, Lord, I'm, I, I'm striving to obey your word. I'm striving to follow you, to do that which is pleasing in your sight. We can't honestly say that because we know that we have not lived in obedience to God's word. If that's where you find yourself today, don't expect God's blessing. Don't expect God's blessing if you refuse to obey his word. Now, 
here's what I want to say. If you, if you find yourself in a time of trouble, in a time of affliction, you need to ask yourself one of two questions, or really two questions. Am I in this affliction because I have been sowing to the flesh and disobeying God's word? Is this the chastening hand of the Lord? If the answer is yes, I, I want to say to you, your situation is not hopeless. If you find yourself today under the chastening hand of the Lord, though you cannot say, Lord, deliver me. I've done nothing wrong. I'm trying to stay true to your word. Just, just answer me and deliver me. If you look at yourself and you say, no, I am in the situation I'm in because I've disobeyed God, I've disregarded his word, I've sown to the flesh, and I'm now reaping the consequences. The answer, repent. Turn to the Lord. He is merciful and gracious. That's the answer for you, if that's the case. Now, if on the other hand, you can say clearly like the psalmist, Lord, I've searched my heart, I've asked you to search me, and I don't believe that anything that I have done uh, has brought upon this, uh, this, uh, this affliction, this trial, this problem in my life. I'm trying to stay true to your word. I'm trying to walk in the spirit and do those things that are pleasing in your sight but I find myself in affliction, you can pray to the Lord just like the psalmist did and say, Lord, I know that your word is true and I know that you bless those who honor you. You honor those who honor you and so I'm confident that you will come through and deliver me even in this affliction. There are blessings for obeying God's word. Now, he is not pleading with the Lord as if God owes him something. He's not pleading with him saying, okay, God, you have to do this. Because I want you to even notice what he says uh, in verse number 159. He says, consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Understand that even if you can say, I have a clear conscience before God tonight, any good that God brings into your life is because of his mercy. It's not because of, uh, of your righteousness. It's not because of any goodness that you have done. It's simply because his loving kindness is better than life, as the Bible says. He says in uh, verse 156, Great are thy tender mercies. Oh, Lord, Lord, I need your mercy. Why? Because, again, going back, even though the psalmist can say in all honesty, I am living to the best of my ability in obedience to the word of God. I have not forgotten your word. I have not disobeyed your word. I, I, I'm, I'm remembering it. I'm cherishing it. I'm loving it. There's still this awareness. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. I mean, there really is no one who is good there's no one who is worthy of God's blessing and deliverance. However, the Lord has, in his mercy, made a way whereby we can be blessed and has invited us to follow in obedience to his word and has offered blessings with that. And so here we find this prayer. Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Lord, I find myself in this trial due to no actions of my own, to my knowledge. 
Lord, look upon me, consider how much I love your word, and deliver me. Because thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Tonight, can I just simply ask you, can you say to the Lord, I have not declined from your word, I have not forgotten your word, you, you can see that I am living in obedience to you. Uh, consider how I love thy precepts. Can you say that? If you can, you can have confidence tonight that the Lord will hear you and answer. If not, turn to him. Repent of that and turn to the Lord and find that his mercy endureth forever. Forever. 